356-9397 or text us at 217-351-5357. We have our experts standing by today. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Uh, Ms. Tamara, your microphone needs to come up. Okay. You, you are off mic. No, you got. You're still off mic. You can borrow mine. Hey, good morning. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks, Ed. Yeah, I'll check that one in a minute. Yes, yes, this is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens, and uh, you can phone us at three five six nine three nine seven or text us at three five one. Five three five seven. Our experts today we have Marianne Metz, <laughs> John Weisgarber. They heard you guys, all right. And then Steve Brown. Good morning. And again, Good morning. our special guest today is Rena Wilson Jones. Correct. And Rena, you're a beekeeper, and uh, we need our pollinators. And I keep hearing yeah. that they're still on the decline. Is that? Yeah. Not hopefully not as rapidly as they had been. Yeah, but uh, it, it's a continuous fight to keep bees alive. Yeah, they're hard to keep. Hard to keep alive. Yeah, but we work pretty hard at trying to make that happen. So, well, good. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that today. We'll talk about what the average homeowner can do. That's right. Uh, in terms of what they can plant um, yep. uh, to help feed them, and also steps they can do culturally uh, with ins insect applications and timing and some other things to just help them keep them as healthy as possible. So, Absolutely. Yeah, should be good. And we also have a uh, Salvation Army fundraiser that we just kicked off yesterday afternoon. So we've yeah. got some 10-inch uh, planters. There's some sun coleus, which will take shade too. And there's uh, several varieties of um, uh, petunia or cali mixes. Yep. Combos. They're 10 inch pots. They're worth about 15 bucks. We're selling them for 10 bucks, and the entire 10 bucks goes to the Champaign County Salvation Army. So if you can help us uh, raise a few dollars here the next couple of days, we'd love to run through them. Mm -hmm. And I think we can. We had uh, quite a few people responding to the email and the Facebook post yesterday. Yes, we did. And yeah. if you want to see what they look like before you come out, just look at prairiegardens.com. You'll find it there. Plus, you could go to Prairie Gardens' Facebook account. And uh, see a picture right there on the on the front. Okay, great. That's yeah. a cool way ten to, bucks. Cool way, cool way to give ten dollars to Salvation Army. It is. I mean, and again, they do so much. You know, we had the pleasure of having Al Vogel saying and Major Randy uh, on with us last fall, Christmas, and last spring. And um, uh, again, I know they have a food food pantry uh, drive right now going on. Plus, just, they serve so many people who either are residents of Champaign County or people who are passing through central Illinois and are stranded and have a hard time and uh, they just offer so many services whether mm -hmm. it's to uh, veterans or career planning uh, toys for kids at Christmas time fundraisers at the food pantry uh, just just they feed so many people I forgot the statistics but I want to say was it 60 or 70,000 people wow I think something like that yeah, that they served uh, with food feeding for the day. And, and it's amazing what they can do by their buying power. 
they can actually uh, feed uh, a family of four. Was that right for a dollar? Yeah, and uh, the numbers on it were, were were I think even higher than what you just said, Steve, because it just blew me away. I couldn't believe just in this one county that they help so many people. It just absolutely amazes me. Yeah. Amazes me. And as they yeah. they pointed out this last year, the demands on their services, uh, I think it was up thirty or forty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is another amazing number. So we've got, uh, I don't know how many hundred we have left, but we have probably at least a couple 300 left, if not 400 left. I'm Ish. not sure. Ish. Uh, we just kicked it off yesterday afternoon. We'd like to run through all of them. We have 600 that we'd like to do, so we'd like to be able to raise six uh, $6,000 here this weekend if we can for I the Champaign tell you, County Salvation Army. Rena, we, we got these in like two years ago, wasn't it, that we had these in? The, the, the one style that had this groovy planter the groovy you, planters as we nicknamed it <laughs> and, and 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 you know they just sold like crazy yeah. but this year when they came in it, it looked to- totally different to me and everybody else that saw it for the first time i don't know why but it's just like these are fabulous and I, yeah. i'm maintaining the difference is two years <laughs> we're two years older <laughs> two years older i really think the difference is the fact that they they put this uh sun coleus that has this mocha colored uh, leaf and it awesome. picks up the highlights of the groovy decor mm-hmm. on the, the planter. Beautiful it copper, does. reddish copper yeah. coloration. Sure. Yeah. It's really and, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, whereas I think a couple of years ago they put a mixed combo planter in there yeah. and it, I don't want to say it fought, but it didn't, it didn't. Um, they looked, they looked just fine and we, we ran through <laughs> them, but this is, this is going to be gone. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you're interested in supporting the Salvation Army and, and the people of this community and getting something back for it, this is the time there you to go. do it. Not bad. These are yeah. these are gonna fly. Yeah. Yep. So nice see pictures at prairiegardens.com, Prairie Gardens Facebook page. Ten bucks while they last. Yeah. Uh, and the entire ten bucks goes to the Champaign County Salvation Army. Man, that's great. Terrific. There we go. All right. Can we hear you now? I hope so. Ed said that he, he thought so, so Well, if oh. Ed said so. Well hey it's okay. he says I sound oh. fine. Oh good. I yeah. know. <laughs> And who better to make me sound fine than the engineer of the station, Mr. Ed Bond. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. So, Rena, how long have, and you've been a gardener for uh, more than a couple of years. Uh, Um, Just a few. Yeah, just a few. And so, (laughs) Rena is not only a a beekeeper, but she's an accomplished gardener. And uh, has your interest in gardening been, I mean, really guided the last 10 or 15 or 20 years by beekeeping then mm-hmm. that's really driven sure areas of interest for you yeah i've modified my garden quite a lot to be bee friendly but then with bee friendly then you come butterfly friendly hummingbirds face Ab- moths you know other associated absolutely native bees so i've worked pretty hard i i did actually bring a um, listing that i compiled of bee friendly flowers trees shrubs and vines and uh, it's just a nice reference. Sure. It, absolutely. I, I have. I probably have people ask me that almost every day. Oh, really? Oh. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, That and hummingbirds. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it, it just is incredible how the interest has been generated. Oh, that's so. wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and a man who was vegetable gardening, he says, and I've just got to get some bee-friendly plants, ornamental plants in here so I can get oh. my vegetables pollinated. Yeah. Well, well I've, I've yeah, it's, copies, it's amazing, so. everybody. And yeah. You're right. It is almost every day. Sure. And so many so many vegetables or herbs that would be 
great pollinators on themselves. So you wouldn't even have to necessarily reach out into the quote-unquote ornamentals yeah, that's to, right. to do that job. But who, fact, would, who wouldn't want to, though? I'm sorry. Who yeah. wouldn't want to? In <laughs> fact, Rena was in here sure. looking for some fennel a couple yeah. weeks ago, and that's when we said, hey, can you be on the radio yeah. show? I need it for my butterflies. <laughs> uh, so, fennel. Oof. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we've got some stash back here for you. Oh, that's And great. we've got some African blue basil for oh, you, too. Oh, wow. You guys, so, you've got me fixed up for the season. We're, we're we getting you going here. That's so, excellent. So just what, because obviously beekeeping is a whole nother arena, but so, just just for being bee friendly yes. in the yard and garden. Sure. What, what, let's talk about that for the Don't average homeowner. Don't be scared of the bees. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's advice. That, that's I was true. Yep. You're right. That, that's yeah. how I feel. It's like, yeah. That's one of the first comments I get is, uh, people's concern about being stung and mm-hmm. how how many times I've been stung. <laughs> how and many times us. have you been yes, stung? Yes, please do. Well, I am certainly stung more than the average individual. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell you that. But that's because I'm intimately in those hives. Sure, and of course. reality is that's their only defense. And when you're manipulating things there that you inevitably pinch a few and they get perturbed and they don't you know, know what you're they're doing, right? trying to have their dynamics going on and you're ruffling around in their activities so at some point you know they can get a little testy but in general in the outdoors where you guys encounter them you encounter foragers and so yeah. foragers have a job and they are there to collect nectar and pollen so they really aren't too interested in what you're doing they're more interested in getting doing that food cycling back to the hive yeah and they do that about 10 to 12 times a day, actually. Wow. They spend about an hour foraging, and then they come back. So they keep long hours. Hence the term worker bees. Um, that's right. A worker bee is a bee that is a forager. Yeah. The house bees are the bees that are younger, that are in the hive, maintaining the hive, and the young. Cool. A house Carrying bee. out the dead, mortuary bees. <laughs> yeah, there's water carriers. So they their job is to just bring water back to the hive. An what entire is social structure. Oh, Absolutely. it's very complex, actually. Yeah. yeah. What is the lifespan of a bee? Depends on the time of year. Um, we we kind of divide it into summer bees and winter bees. Hmm. Um, oh. So the summer bees are, we're moving in, obviously, into that season, where uh, populations are building up for the por- forager population so that that uh, their their main goal is to prepare for winter. And with that, they have to collect lots of nectar and pollen to raise their populations of bees in the spring. And so through the summer, when they're at their highest populations, um, those bees, they literally fly to the point where their wings become shredded and they lose their life because they can't get back to the hive. Sure. They just, they come, I, I refer to them as walkers, they, they just literally cannot get lift from their wings because they get uh, tattered. And uh, so their lifespan in the summer is about 45 days. Unbelievable. That very is unbelievable. Very yeah, short period of time. They You're work really hard. They, they do. work very hard, yeah. Let's go to the phone lines real quick. And sure. uh, Karen is on the line. Okay. Hey, Karen. Thanks for joining Hello. us this morning. Hey, Karen. Um, I have a question about the cicadas that I've been hearing about. Will, will they be in Champagne? 
You know, that's funny. My mother-in-law said something about it's time for the 17-year cicada or something. There's a bunch I'm like, of, really? But there's a, I think there's more than one kind of life cycle. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yes. So yeah, I, I don't know. makes them special. Probably. <laughs> Is that maybe what you had heard, Karen? Yes, but I the don't 17. know if they're here or other parts of the United States. I, oh, I don't yeah. I don't know either. I haven't yeah. done I any really, reading of a, about this particular seventeen year. So I, or any. It's, it's a great project to to. It, it's hard to imagine that they're not. Uh, yeah, for it sure. seems like we have them. Seems like we have them all every the time. Year. I know, uh, but yeah. some of whatever cycle they're in, or sure, or are cicadas pollinators? Uh, I'm not familiar with cicadas okay. uh, and their life cycle and their feeding routine. Um, not, uh, I don't know that they are. Okay. Yeah, okay. I would say I think they're just munchers. Munchers. <laughs> munchers. <laughs> well, you bet, Karen. Well, Thank you so much for calling yeah, in. Yeah, we'll know in June, won't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll find out. I guess out. so. <laughs> 217-356-9397 is our phone number, or you can text us at 351-5357. This is Plant Experts, live at Prairie Gardens. Now, you were... Uh, Rena, you were discussing your bees. I'm curious about mm-hmm. how large of a territory do mm-hmm. does one bee cover? Yeah. So bees actually can fly vast distances, um, typically one to two mile radius, which is about 8,000 acres. Wow. Um, but they can fly farther, up to about 10 miles. Wow. If there's a good nectar or pollen source, and wow. they really are, um, things are scarce in from their hive to that location so um but of course it's very inefficient for them to have to fly that far because they have to use up a lot of calories to fly out that way and then and then the return trip so the goal for at least for myself as a beekeeper is i like to have my forage area within a a mile would be great but two miles is reasonable for a bee Hmm. and uh, what's fascinating about honeybees is that um when they forage they you know they dot zigzag through the environment and you know uh, working on different uh, flowers and so they cover large um, distances but not in a straight line so they're zigzagging quite a lot but when they return to the hive they literally go straight back to the hive so hence make a beeline Oh, sure. Oh, That's okay. the saying. Yeah. Love it. Worker bee, yeah. beeline. I'm living. Yeah. This is awesome. It's amazing. It's all making sense. And now. it's because they have a very dense neural uh, capability for such a small brain. They have a very neural dense uh, uh, For navigation. Brain. And and it's all primarily navigation. Wow. Navigation is very complex. Built in GPS. Boy, I could have used that when I was it a is. kid. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, and actually... What's very interesting is that um, they, their f- one form of communication for honeybees is um, what we call the waggle dance. And so they actually do a dance in the hive to communicate to their sisters uh, because the workers are all female. Um, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's great, great fun at our bee club. Uh, we fine. always make fun of the guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they dance in a pattern. It's a figure eight pattern. And they waggle, and then they make a loop, and then they waggle. But they do it, um, which is interesting, in a triangulation as it relates to the sun and wherever the forage uh, location is. Interesting. And so if they're 30 degrees from the sun, 
the bee will dance at a 30 degree angle on the frame. Oh, yeah, and the wow. more vigorously they dance, the better the forge is. And she'll also many times give a sampling with extending her proboscis to her sisters so that they know where, that they've hit the right nectar source. Yeah, it's... That's and, amazing. And, and it's usually dancing because it's dark in the hive, so it's not like they can really see her. But what they do is they, they almost emulate her. They follow her. Uh -huh. And um, it's very interesting to see in the hive. People mm. are usually oh, fascinated bet. when I show them. I'll bet. It sounds yeah. fascinating. I can't it, imagine it, watching it. It, it is. Awesome. I mean, it's so incredibly complex, but it is sure. there a form of communication that sure. bees use uh, to find their food sources. Yeah. That's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to get back to their ages, the winter bees actually can live, they have to live several months because they emerge the most, the last population typically is in around November, but they have to endure the winter till around this period right now. Sure. So they're, those, the winter bees basically are heat generators. So their role is to keep that cluster warm. And so, because they're clearly not foraging, not much, because the weather's just too cold. About 45 degrees is where they can tend to fly. That's my cutoff line, too. Yeah, mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But they're tough. Some hives, and they all have their own personality, they'll fly earlier and longer. And others are late sleepers, and they like it a little bit more moderate temperature. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There's one of all of us in that hive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of analogies between honeybees and humans. Oh, it, I'm sure. Yeah, we can probably spend many hours talking about those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. Well, like just a couple that come top of mind. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This is just absolutely yeah. I know, it's neat. Yeah, Can thanks. you think of any? Yeah, oh, bees are fascinating. The lives right? of bees. It sounds yeah. like. So I was just reading, because I have a more of a forested area where yes. I live, a yes. couple acres and whether it's where to keep, could you keep bees in that area? Sure. And mostly I was reading about they need to be on the edge where they can get at least some of the sunlight yeah. oh. coming yeah. up because yeah. that's what the stimulates them to come out. Location's important, um, although they can tolerate less. Bees are amazingly adaptable. They couldn't have survived for thousands of years if they can't sure. hadn't had that uh, trait. But... Uh, Ideally, we like to place them either south or southeast facing, just like you said, so that maybe that early morning sun uh, hits the entrance and that kind of gets them out. Um, and then late afternoon shade is, I, I prefer that personally as a beekeeper, because in the summer when it gets extremely hot, um, they have to spend a lot of time fanning to cool the hive down. And if you have them a little shade in the afternoon, then they don't have to have that intense afternoon sun. And then they can spend more time forging and maintaining the uh, hive. Yeah. If you didn't have trees and a canopy that would shade fence structures or anything mm -hmm. else just to shade it from the afternoon sun? Sure. Yeah. Some beekeepers prefer to keep their bees in sun all day long. There is a, a parasite called the small hive beetle that tends to um, uh, relish shady spots, shady uh, wet spots and so we try to deter that um, those populations by more sun and um, I moderate mine with the morning sun and afternoon shade okay 
So let me ask a basic question. Sure. Why are bees important? Uh, that's good. Bees, <laughs> well, that was why I got into beekeeping, because I knew how important they were to our ecosystem. I mean, they people seem to love honey, of course, but uh, pollination is their claim to fame. Uh, we would not have an, an almond uh, supply in the world if it wasn't for honeybees. <laughs> they ship... I don't know, the last count I, I read was 1.6 million colonies to the almond groves in California oh. for pollination purposes. So, so sadly, in a way, bees are really exploited for our agriculture, but this is our reality. Lots of animals and, uh, you know, are exploited in a way for us to survive. Um, and so bees are part of that, but... But it's more than that, of course. So even central Illinois agriculture. Sure. They're mm -hmm. an important part of that as sure. well. Sure. Well, because think of all your, your fruit trees, uh, your brambles, um, even soybeans, actually. Certain uh, hybrids are still worked by honeybees. Um, corn is not. Um, corn has a pollen, although it's not very nutritious for bees, and it doesn't really serve a purpose for the plant, but... Um, but you know, certainly they can contribute to a lot of the fruits and vegetables, especially in people's, even local gardens, you know. Oh, sure. You get a much greater um, fruit set um, when you have bees nearby. So, Rena, do, yeah. do you know how many different pollinators there are in the in the country? Um, you mean as far as various species? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that number. I do know that bee honeybees pollinate up to about 130 varieties of fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Oh. That's something people don't think wow. of either. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, of course, the almonds, but, but there are many other trees um, that bees will work heavily. So they discriminate about what they like and don't like. Oh. It's, it's, <laughs> They're picky eaters. Well, oh, my gosh. <laughs> let, let me just describe that in a little more detail. <laughs> They're picky until they can't be. Oh, sure, of <laughs> because, course. Because if each of their selections uh, basically is past its prime, then they have to move to second, third, and fourth choices. Sure. And of course, depending on the part of the country, the weather has a lot to do with honeybee success in any given year. Sure. Um, if you have, uh, if it's too wet and they can't get out, and like right now, we have all the pears blooming. Um, you know, if they aren't able to get out and work them, then they miss that particular forage material, and then they have to move and hope they can get to the next. I mean, I know earlier in the season the maples were out, and that's one of their sure. first substantial pollen sources. And ah, sadly, really? we had a lot of wind and, and uh, rain mm -hmm. right when they were in their prime, and uh, so they, they did get some days of it, but not the, the full right. uh, scope of that particular source. Is there any pollen that they won't use? I mean, is there something that's detrimental or not useful for them? Sure. They, um, the, part of the limitation, on, at least for honeybee, is that their anatomy. So they have to have a flower that they can access. So for nectar, the proboscis oh. is only a certain length. So if a flower has too deep of a, if it's a trumpet shape, they can't reach it. Sure. Although I've read uh, <laughs> where they'll actually bite a hole 
down by the base so they can mm. access that nectar. That's I perfect. Like it. Yeah. I love again, it. adaptability. They're pretty hungry. And, and again, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So if they can't get the easy nectar, especially like in the um, the seasons that are not prime, so your early spring and your late fall, they have to go to more exceptional means, and they do. That's why these are so amazing. They're really it is amazing. They're really hard workers. They've, it sounds like they're very uh, intelligence would be what I would say they do. about them. But uh, wow. they are. They have the most neurodense brains of any species. It's amazing. I have read that in two sources, so um, I would challenge anyone if they know differently. But I know that it's impressive. Navigation is impressive. Mm -hmm. Couldn't oh, you imagine sure. yourself zigzagging across the countryside, hundreds of miles by proportion in a human? And then f getting yourself back in a straight line nope. back to your home. And then telling you where the food source that's is right. by dancing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's just great. Yeah, it is. Let's it's not amazing. go there. That sounds ugly. <laughs> they won't give lessons. Okay. So, uh, we better so, stay so back to what the average gardener, average homeowner, yeah. or even sure. the sophisticated gardener, what, what would you say, hey, here's some things to keep in mind. Here's some things sure. to plant. Here's things, some practices to do or don't do. What would you what sure. would come to mind? Sure. Well, uh, one thing that is probably has some merit is um, when you when you select a bee-friendly uh, plant material, make a large enough plot so they can see it. Because when you dot around various colors, um, it's not pretty particularly impressive to them when they're aerial. So if they're looking down, they want to see a large patch of that particular color. And sure. you know they can see an ultraviolet. And so they like the lavenders and, you know, purple and blue, a lot of flowers in the blue shade, Scylla. Um, and they work that, they are just, they finished with that just now. Um, white. Uh, red is really not a color they can uh, see, technically. It, it's a neutral or a background uh, non-color for them. But they can still have a, s they can smell red. I mean, if, if a flower had so a good plant the red one, buy the purple one. Well, there and you go. And and they'll they'll be yeah. okay. Yeah, they'll be okay. Yeah, um, but um, for myself, I um, I have a lot of things here on the list, and I'll leave these with you guys. Fabulous. But um, you know, early on, uh, crocus are probably and snowdrops are the very first for the season. Sure. So people can plant those easily enough. Um, your willow, pussy willow. Um, I have quite a few varieties in my yard. Um, if you have maple trees. Um, you know, they, that's their first large volume pollen source and possibly nectar in some varieties. Um, and then, you know, move, now we're moving into the fruit trees and so, uh, and the crab apples. And so, so this is, gives them a really good punch for the spring, mm -hmm. gives them a lot of nectar and pollen to start because they have to not only raise young, but, you know, they produce the wax that those baby, the, the eggs are laid into. Sure. So they need a lot of nectar. Um, and so uh, large volumes of that usually come from trees or large acreage of things like a staple is clover. If I was to do anything, I would plant Dutch clover <laughs> everywhere if I had large acreage. Mm -hmm. um, that's the short clover that pops up in your yard and has a little white head. And, and why, uh, why the white Dutch clover versus just a red clover? Red clover, uh, again, it has to do with that anatomy of the honeybee. Now, okay. other insects work uh, the red clover, and, and I think bees do to a certain degree, again, if they're desperate. 
but the Dutch clover is shorter, and so their proboscis fits in it much more easily. Yeah. It also is just a profuse bloomer, as mm -hmm. long as you have moisture through the year. So it's kind of a staple. Sweet and yellow uh, clover, the tall version, Yes. Um, that um, is, they're known for being attractive for bees, but um, it, it takes up a lot of space. So if people have a lot of room, they can grow that, but um, Dutch clover's pretty easy to just dot everywhere. Sure. Um, but there's certainly lots of perennials that you can put in. Um, uh, What's your favorite perennial? Um, let's see. Let me look on my list here. I have so many. <laughs> there's way too many, right? Um, I do. I do. So, uh, boy. <laughs> There's so many. It, it's like people ask me, what's your favorite peony or what's your favorite day? It is. Well, today it's... It is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Do yeah. You, so while you're looking, do yeah. you think that there's one yeah. that, that attracts more, more bees than others, particularly? Well, um, anise hyssop, I think, is quite good. Anything with a yeah. columnar, uh, with small blooms, that they can go up and down, like salvias yeah. and things like that. Um, those are quite popular. And um, in the fall, uh, Caryopteris is probably my favorite for that season mm -hmm. um, because, again, the color is what they desire. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let alone other uh, bees and uh, uh, species, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, the floral materials start to deplete towards fall. And so sure. it's rare that you get a, a plant blooming that late in the season. Right. And so, and the African blue basil um, that Steve referred to, and thank you very much for holding some for me, um, <laughs> they, um, they work that heavily in mm -hmm. the fall, in a, in a small garden. They yeah. really like that well, a lot. And, and they're, they're, a, they're a variety of basil that's difficult for us to be able to keep in stock, yeah. like a regular sweet basil or a Thai basil or any of the other many types of basil that we have. And there's just very few growers that offer it. And so we found some this last week and snarfed it a little bit. And we'll probably have at least one more shipment, if not two, but not a lot. It just isn't there. And it's sure. so aggressive. Uh, of course, you know, we're unfortunately maybe a month or so from being able to safely plant it outside yes. and not worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it Bases just, are so sensitive. Yeah. So um, you definitely would have to play the in and out game if you bought some now. Yeah. But yeah. it's large. I mean, yeah. I it think is. it's conceivably... 36 to 48 inches tall. That's right. Maybe so 48 to 60 base, inches right? in diameter. That's, and that's correct. One, like that one little plant and just flowers to beat the band. Yeah. Yeah. And Another profuse bloomer, uh, it's an annual um, that I like to plant, and I've got flats of them growing right now. <laughs> They're inside right now, obviously, this morning, but <laughs> I put them out <laughs> in the afternoon, is uh, Cosmos and um, oh. Tithonia. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. So Cosmos and Tithonia... They're very reliably um, um, easy to grow, um, profuse bloomers, and they provide a lot of pollen for not only honeybees but bumblebees and the sphinx moss. And nice. And, and they're beautiful. I mean, they're Gorgeous. colorful. Yes. The tithonia, they get massive. Um, they're bright orange, and they've got that daisy head. And so butterflies can land there. Honeybees can land. Bumblebees, I mean... So those two are always a staple in my gardens, and I put them in 
several locations. And, and you could start those yes. indoors, like Rena has. You could direct right. sow those if you wanted to direct sow them in the garden. Yes. You'd just yeah. be a little bit further behind. but mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, and they will bloom till frost. Sure. A couple other great annuals would be the the, the penta and the yep. lantanas. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's correct. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Agnets. Zinnias. And of course, yep, zinnias, zinnias are extremely course. easy yeah. to grow. Yep. Again, it's, it qualifies that head. It's uh, flat and has the pollen center. Uh -huh. And they're uh, showy, so the bee can see them, especially if you plant them in a, a large mass. And we're real fortunate. All these varieties that you guys have just mentioned, we more than double down on the seed supply uh, for any of this stuff. So whether it's things in the Cosmos family or Tithonia or zinnias sure. or any of these things sure. that they're, they're throwing out there right now, we have so many in stock. It's Got unbelievable. Yes, I absolutely. mean, we're mm -hmm. deep and heavy Excellent. on any yes. of that stuff. You know, you talked about salvias a little bit ago. Yeah. That's been one of the darlings in the gardening industry the last couple, three, four, five uh, years. Yeah. Just with so many cool ones. I mean, sure. it used to be back in the day, oh, we have dwarf red salvia and medium red salvia and tall red salvia red. and we have victoria yeah. blue victoria salvia blue, yeah. and, yeah. Then and then we have <laughs> yeah. we have one variety or two varieties of perennial salvia yeah and yeah you know not now, not now. it's yeah. like incredible yeah and that's great and so like whether it's black and bloom or whether it's any of the other really cool decorative a little bit larger ones we have some neat ones out there now which now that after listening to you and learning from you, it's like, okay, well, I'll have to plant that for the hummingbird, and it could be next to the blue one because mm -hmm. we've got some peach ones out there that are gorgeous. Oh, that are stunning. That are yeah. annual. Peach salvia. Yeah. yeah, and then oh, there's, yeah. A, pretty. there's a reddish one, but it's more open. It's not a dense little short flower. It's a real graceful, just elongated flower. Almost doesn't look like a salvia. Yeah. It's just beautiful. There's some gorgeous ones out there. Wow, that's just great. Beautiful. So it's just kind of fun stuff to see not only what, you enjoy but then whether it's the hummingbirds or whether it's sure. honeybees or yeah. other bees or yeah and you were looking for um, nothing to do with bees but you were looking for or you were buying a bunch of parsley yeah a couple weeks ago right parsley and fennel and dill yeah yeah so those will be for my swallowtails then i raise those indoors <laughs> wow yeah so i i probably reared the last several years um i don't know around 25 or 30 monarchs and about oh. maybe at least maybe more of the swallowtails. That's yellow cool. and wow. black. Yeah, yeah. How fun so, is those are that? so beautiful. Yeah, so so they're and they're voracious eaters, you know. And so I I have a whole row of fennel and dill, um, and then the parsley. And I actually ran out of any food source because they I had so De many they devoured, devoured it. it. Yeah. So I had to go to the store and buy. Parsley. Cut parsley. And, uh, oh. Yeah. So From yeah. A grocery I, store. Yeah. <laughs> I had to. Re yeah. Yeah. So that's why. Hence, I was uh, beefing up on my supply. So if anybody's got the extra garden space and you want to grow a little extra parsley, yes. that's right. We'll put you Do in contact it. with Rena, and yeah. you could provide. That's right. And you can provide me some supply. That's so right. You just put it. Put you know. You cut the the uh, the fennel or dill and or the parsley and put it in a vase and they have these little. Uh, butterfly habitats. They're a netted uh, material, and um, you can put that vase with the uh, food source and the larvae. They're usually on, like the fennel, or because that's where they lay their eggs. And so you can find the larvae. They're obviously pretty small at, at, uh, when they first emerge, but uh, 
they they grow very rapidly because all they do is eat and eat and eat. Uh, and then, of course, they form a chrysalis. And um, and then depending on the temperature and conditions, they emerge in you know, 10 to 14 days, something like that. And uh, and actually, one thing that's fascinating with sil uh, swallowtails is that if the eggs are laid late in the season, the chrysalis will not emerge. They stay in the chrysalis and you can overwinter them. And I've done that now a couple of years in a row. And so I have some in one of my butterfly habitats and uh, I have them in, a, in my garage uh, on a shelf right where we walk because I know that they're going to emerge soon and I don't want to miss that. You want to see it, yeah, I, absolutely. Because I've got to get them to a, you know, a food source uh, as soon as they emerge. Uh, so it's really exciting to sure. imagine that they endured, you know, zero degree temperatures. Y you don't want to actually keep them indoors. You want to keep them in a cool, cold area because sure. they might emerge in December or something because you've accelerated their, uh, their life cycle. Yeah. So if you see that you have some chrysalises that are not emerging, don't throw them away. Keep them and just keep them safe in a house, in you know, their little habitat preferred, and then just wait till spring, and uh, they will emerge and, uh, and be start just a new, fine. Start, start eating, a, start a new life, <laughs> start eating. And, and they and they will, yeah, for sure. All right, uh -huh. you're listening to Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. Our phone number is three five six nine three nine seven, and let's go back to the phones where Elizabeth is calling in to join us. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Um, we used to go out to Lee Kabuti's farm, and he had bees, and he taught us a little bit about the bees. And I've learned some things this morning, and I just want to thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed hearing your program. Awesome. So, Me too. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Oh, it's really awesome of I, you to I call I could talk in. for hours, believe me. <laughs> I well, never Lee, miss an Lee opportunity. Lee can't. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could get him on the radio again. Yeah. How Super lucky guy. to be able to go out there and learn from him. Super guy. Farm. That was fabulous. Uh, yeah, that is. Hey, uh, just while we got a break in the action then, just a reminder, we have the Salvation Army fundraiser going on uh, while supplies last. Uh, hopefully enough to get us through today, tomorrow, who knows how long. But we're selling uh, some 10-inch pots of combination uh, flowers. And they are worth about 15 bucks. We're selling them for 10 bucks, and the entire $10 goes to the Champaign County Salvation Army. So uh, you can see pictures of them at prairiegardens.com or Prairie Gardens' Facebook page. And Great way to get back to the community and get something in return. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Only 10 bucks. It's a deal. Yeah. And they include, like, coleus and petunias. There's, yeah, there's some sun coleus. There's some callies and petunias combinations. Mm -hmm. Most of them have spikes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Nice. And, and you know what, Steve? Brian brought over that little uh, plant. The cocoa hose guide. The, yeah, they call it, it the misnamed as a hose guide planter for whatever reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't know why, but it's a little cocoa planter that's twelve ninety seven. It's a good that's little deal. Sitting in a in a really attractive metal stand that's probably about what do you say, uh, Two John? Feet. Maybe twelve inches tall. Yep. Inch and a half. About and then a, a, about a half, ten or twelve inch uh, pot mm -hmm. on on top, mm -hmm. so you could just. Get one of those pots and plop it in there. Sure. Have it perfect. And it's like a pollinator thing. You could put it anywhere, couldn't you? You could. Absolutely. Well, cool beans. Yeah. Cool beans. So uh, could we have a minute to talk about hummingbirds since I uh, know you do that too? Sure. 
uh, any other any plants that we didn't mention necessarily for um, the bees yeah, uh, that you might trees, call out for the hummingbirds? Some trees that bloom, you know, late in the season because um, it's a really limited food source as we get later in the season. So, um, so seven suns trees, and they're not common, but I have accumulated really? from from you all. <laughs> we have heptacodium this year yeah. in right now two different yeah. varieties, but oh, probably three by oh, the wonderful. end of the season. Oh, wonderful. So, yes, Great. we'll have it. I'm we so glad. It. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the latest uh, large volume uh, food source. And uh, and it's really cool. I it, mean, it's really it, it, it is, because once the blossom drops, it leaves that is it, the panics. Yeah. Uh, that's a kind of a pink. Yes. So it actually, from a distance, looks like a, a flower. A pink flower. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's very ornamental. Uh, so it serves a couple of different functions. And you'll find everything on it. Bumblebees, honeybees, moths, the hummingbirds, sphinx moths. Everything's on it. I mean, the, my largest uh, uh, variety, it, it was just moving with all these insects. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. um, I, love I would promote that. Uh, BB trees, uh, uh, Korean avodia, um, they're not uh, common either, but they do have a late, later bloom, and uh, so I have a few of those too. But then, of course, in the fall, asters and uh, goldenrod are kind of the staple sure. that everybody knows. But yep. uh, that's why I also supplement with the kind of large planting of uh, cosmos and the tithonium. Yep. I have about a 40-foot run of both of those on one of my gardens. Wow. Only 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have several wow, of those. Girlfriend, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> Sounds it, like it. It is quite a bit. Um, but it's it's really almost magical to go out there when you see all of this habitat. I mean, that the, everybody's attracted to. And so it's, okay, again, that large I have large to plant volume. some tithonia now. <laughs> well, you should. It wasn't on my radar, but yeah. you got to do it. Well, well, I, I have some in flats about this tall. I can bring you a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling you can probably come up with your own. But <laughs> yeah, but that's a lot easier, what you're suggesting. Marina, yeah. you were really sweet, and you brought us each a little bottle of your honey, oh, a little yeah. honey bear bottle. Uh, yeah. Do you sell this commercially? I or do. Can people get it through any area store? They can. Um I do sell it privately as well. Okay. Um, but Walnut Street Tea Company carries my honey, and um, and I work quite a lot uh, in my nursing uh, career, so I I don't really have Saturday mornings to go to the farmers market because right. I work on Saturday mornings typically. In fact, I have some work after I leave. You gotta run. Right? I, I gotta run. <laughs> yep, that's right. Make a beeline to, to someplace. Ooh. I imagine. Uh. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to make a beeline. <laughs> That's right. And, and, you know, it's interesting, too. You know, you think about uh, a bride and her attendants. Well, that actually came from the bees as well because the, the queen actually has a group of attendants uh-huh. that tend to her all the time. That's so wonderful. Yeah. We've yeah. learned so much from you. Isn't that special? Mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks, love Rena. The Thanks for joining us. Rena today. Wilson-Jones. Glad yeah. to be here. Thank you so yes, much you. for your knowledge. Uh, also, Marianne Metz. Thank and you. John Weisgarver. And Dave Brown. Exhaustive research that those 17-year cicadas are going to be more towards <laughs> East Central Illinois. So Crawford, Vermilion, Edgar County, more so than Champaign. But you could get some in Champaign. Steve. Okay. But it's more in the uh, Ohio River Valley and Got going it. eastward. All folks. right. There you go, folks. 
your latest update on 17-year cicadas. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend.